Hey everyone, I'm Andrew, and you're listening to Small Efforts, a collaboration between Crit and Miss Grants. And hi, I'm Sean. Small Efforts is a show where we talk about cybersecurity, design, and the continuous small efforts it takes to build a business. <laughs> so satisfying. You, uh, turning this into a, what is it? ASMR. ASMR. I was about to say, <laughs> I, like, what popped into my head was DSLR, and I was like, nope, that's not a, not the. Not the we could also turn this into a DSLR podcast. Um, no, I don't want people to see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I meant as like a photography. I know. I also know nothing about photography, for the records. So. I was a photography minor in college. Wow! Holy shit. Basically, just meant I got to spend a bunch of time in the darkroom developing film, which was super fun. I'm super into photography, but I'm awful taking photos. Like, I've watched guides, you know, because when I had partners in the past, they would ask me to take photos for their social media and stuff. They would stop asking me to take photos for their social media. I like, I bought a camera. I don't know what it is. So interesting. I'm tone deaf. But I've always like had a decent eye for photography and really love photography. And like, there's an alternate, alternate timeline, whatever. Everything everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. What, John? What are you doing? What are you doing? Working. <laughs> it's so good. I, I hear that. Work is not worth not seeing everything everywhere all of the time. I'll see it eventually. No, go see it now. Go see it this weekend. I can't see it this weekend. It's so good. It's so good. I can't see it this weekend. Okay, next weekend. I'll be in San Francisco next weekend. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, today. I guess it's got to be today. Oh my gotta God. Gotta go see it today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gotta talk to my little brother's guidance counselor over Zoom today. For Yeah, my parents can't aren't like English primary language people. So um, I kind of... I do that that stuff. So yeah, he's applying to college. Well, he's in eleventh grade. He's going to college next year. So all that good stuff. It's like a good conversation. It's not like your your little brother's causing trouble, causing mayhem. Yeah, no, no, no. He's a he's a sweet kid. How many years apart are you? We are eight years apart. And he's your only sibling, right? He's my only sibling. Do you have siblings? I have a little sister. Uh, we are five years apart. She's the coolest person I know. Genuinely, just like the coolest person. I thought I, know. I was the coolest person you knew. Nope. Sorry, you're wow. you're like number two, maybe number three. I see. <laughs> I see. Okay, that's fine. I can accept that. In other news, you know, not to talk about how uncool I am. Apparently, how's your week? How you been? Been pretty good. Maddie and I watched the Great Pottery Throwdown. As you can surmise from the name, it's a great. British Bake Off knockoff, but for pottery. Okay. I did not surmise that. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told somebody this and then I started explaining and they were like, yeah, no, I, I got it from the name. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, Maddie loves pottery. It's her hobby. It's what she uh, spends a lot of time doing. So we watched the Great Pottery Throwdown together. And one season there was this woman named Sal. She was just like such a neat person and such a talented potter. And then after the season, Maddie was looking the um, the people up on on social media and found out that Sal does workshops with one of the other potters um, in Cornwall, which is in the southwest of of England. She was like, "Should I like? Is it crazy for me to fly to another country to do a pottery workshop?" And I was like, "Absolutely not. That sounds like." 
the best possible use of money to just like do something really meaningful and like right in line with your hobbies and interests like yeah you should do that so we're gonna spend three days in london i've actually got two internet friends who i video chat with once a month Rainy and nigel nigel runs an seo agency he's based in barcelona but it's a remote company and then Rainy's an indie hacker uh, who runs like a really successful design newsletter and like has a, like multiple projects a couple of small micro SaaS projects and then like, uh, a content like company and so the three of us are all gonna get together in london with maddie and we're gonna eat some really good indian food and maybe rent a little boat and butts around a river and then Maddie and I are spending a night in Bristol and then going down to Cornwall. While she's doing pottery, I'm going to do some scary trad climbing on sea cliffs. So really excited. This is the first time I will have been out of the country since 2017 or 2018. Nice. Where else have you gone outside of the country? So I went to Iceland was the last trip that I did. Did the whole rent a camper van, sleep out of a van thing for a week. And then... I lived in Scotland for four months in college and hit up some of the, the European cities in the area while I was there to like Dublin, Amsterdam, Barcelona, Granada, um, uh, Belgium, which is in a city. <laughs> and then I've done like Canada and Bahamas. I don't know if Canada counts. Have you done a bunch of traveling? I've been to China like three times. Yeah, not really. I travel in the States more. Yeah, that's where I've done most of my traveling is in the States, just going to visit friends and stuff. Have I told you my eventual goal in the next half decade at some point? Uh, you've told me some of them. I don't think I've heard the one that you were alluding to. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I've told you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think when miscreants get to a point where like I can be removed from the day-to-day -day for like a year... Or not that I have to be removed, just that I can, it's like a normal amount of hours, maybe less. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is like, I'm just going to go like pack all my things, put them in a camper van and just like for a year, 52 states, 50 weeks, you know, count California as two states because it, you know, <laughs> like, to 52. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll want to spend an extra week somewhere or, you know, I'll buy myself time. Anyway. Yeah. Just you know drive during the weekend chill in a, in a place or vice versa i'll come visit you in all the climbing places <laughs> yeah just hop in the back of my van we'll go on a mini road trip i'll pick you up in detroit we'll go to whatever is next to detroit <laughs> I don't know we're, in, we're in michigan um below us is ohio which we don't want to spend any time in I would love to spend time in ohio <laughs> i want to go to Akron. that's where my designers are that's where, that's where yeah Ohio is fine. I keep meaning to, to drive down there to visit Michael, um, one of our engineers, but um, just we've been so busy. But Right, right. Not because you are allergic to Ohio. I see. <laughs> I see. I feel like I have to make the joke because everyone in Michigan jokes about how much they hate Ohio. I don't know why. Like People in Michigan love to hate on Ohio. Is it like a college rivalry thing? Like what? Probably some of that. Yeah, like Ohio State and Michigan, University of Michigan are big rivals. People in Charleston also kind of loved to hate on people from Ohio because so many people from Ohio moved to Charleston. If you pick a random person out in Charleston, there's a, I would say like a 10% chance they're from Ohio, like Ohio or New Jersey. Interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm fine with it. I have nothing against Ohio. I, I think it's probably a lovely, lovely place. So you're traveling. That's awesome. Yeah. Going to take 10 days off 
try to really unplug. We'll see how successful I am. I'm going to be um, driving on the left. I'm going to be driving in stick shift on the left-hand side of the road. Whoa. I haven't driven stick in a few years, so we'll see how it goes. Who's going to take care of your cats? We have a cat sitter who comes when we're when we're on trips, and then Maddie's mom is going to come and stay for a couple days because Maddie doesn't like for the cats to be alone for long periods of time. And I'm like, I get it, but also they're cats, and I'm pretty sure they're happy to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with you? How how is how's your week? We recorded a podcast late last time. So I feel like I blinked and we're on our next one already. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was good. I think we're getting structure in place. JJ, who's our who's the new person running operations, is amazing and a godsend. Um some awesome. other folks that have joined us also amazing. I think um very much needed for JJ and Ewan's presence. Ewan is our technical project delivery lead, the person who's kind of helping run and keep us on track for the product that we're working on internally. Um, so like there's a roadmap now, which is mind blowing because Sean's roadmap was three bullet points in his notes, you know, <laughs> like things to do. Um, and from that roadmap there are, you know, there are cards, in our project management thing instead of, you know, the end goal. Um, so super, super excited to have them on. Pipeline is also looking not terrible. Could be better, but. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in kind of the same spot. Not terrible, could be better. Oh, I did I did see our friends, Josh and Ian in Brooklyn. That was amazing. Got to hang out, have some barbecue. Um, my liver hurts. Or, or was hurting afterwards for some reason. I don't know. As I met Ian's partner, who was also very, very cool. Um, they're just a good group. They're just a very fun, awesome group. Yeah, I really like them. I'm, I'm still holding out hope that we get to work with them someday. Me too, me too. For you specifically. <laughs> yeah. We talked about it a little bit over drink. So, um, yeah, they're super cool. Uh, for those of you don't who are listening and don't know, Sublime Security, they are doing something very cool. It's essentially detection engineering, but for email, email security. Um, you write what is what looks like effectively YARA rules that sits between, you know, the sender and your inbox. And you can either, you know, SAS or deploy on-prem. I think it makes a lot of sense with the amount of security teams going, like engineering first, deployment as code, run emailrep.io, which is really useful. Have you used emailrep before? I've poked around on it. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. For those of you who don't know, emailrep, you, you go and put in an email, then you're able to kind of see, like, if it's suspicious, risky, uh, you know, not, et cetera, and tells you, like, you know, what boxes are checked and what aren't, like, you know, how long you've seen this email on the internet, et cetera. Super useful if you're on, you're, you're trying to be wary of an email that you're getting. I probably need to go over to have I been pwned? Yeah. And just figure out which, <laughs> which passwords I need to change. Let's check out Sean at miscreens.com, right? I'm so risky. I'm the riskiest. Suspicious true. Wow. You are suspicious as hell. Reference is zero. Yikes. I know. I know. I know. <sighs> Why are you suspicious? Because I haven't used Sean at miscreens.com for like any social media sort of things. I haven't. Oh my God. It just hit me with too many requests. What the hell, man? It's like Sign up for a... free API key here. I mean, I guess, I, I guess I've got to. Look at that PLG. <laughs> yeah. The coolest thing is that 
I think for most email security companies, it's very enterprise driven. And I think Josh and Ian's goal is to make it available to the masses, which is why, you know, they have email rep, like that's why you can self host. You can literally just go and download eventually their, you know, their instance and run it yourself. I think I signed up for an API key and then don't have a way to access that API key. Oh, wait, I, I requested it. Gotcha. It wasn't a sign up process. It was a request. So there we go. Oh, they're reviewing them manually still. All right, cool. When I'm talking to investors and they're asking for like cool early stage startups that we know about, um, Sublime is always the one I bring up because I feel like they're still like kind of under the radar. People don't know there aren't a ton of people who know about them. And I'm like, oh, do you know about Sublime? And they're always like, no. And I'm like, you need to know about Sublime. So had a couple of, of biggish things this week. So we we had a pitch to um largest company we've ever pitched to. Miscreens. You pitched the miscreens. <laughs> <laughs> so had had sort of an intro call with them last week and then this week had um you know a demo and they asked me to pitch them on kind of process and and give them a, a ballpark range for for price um normally we don't do pitches like this but um they are a little different because the work they're looking for is all discovery research and strategy work um sort of a three to four month research and strategy project um, which is exactly what I want us to do more of. Like I'm, I'm so hyped about the, like the potential. That's just where it starts, though. I feel like I hear that a lot with larger enterprise. It always starts with discovery, strategy, research work, and then once you get integrated, then it's like, okay, do the thing. Yeah, I will fully offer to do the thing and <laughs> and make sure they know that we can do the thing. I think we're a long shot. Uh, just because we haven't worked with a company of their size before. You know, I was transparent and was just like, yeah, we haven't dealt with that before. Here's how I think we would deal with it. But yeah, we haven't dealt with that before. At one point there were, I think I went into it expecting three. And then like the day before got an email saying like, yeah, I invited some more people. And I went and checked and it was like 12 people. And I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> I guess that's how things work at big companies. So I did an actual pitch for, for a change. Like, created a slide deck, did, did the whole pitch thing. And yeah, I think we're a long shot, um, again, just because of our, our relative lack of experience in that specific domain, but never know, we'll see, see what happens. It would be a, it would certainly be a good logo for us and a step in the right direction in terms of like the type of type of work we want to do. So we'll see. And then trying to negotiate a contract, um, with another client, had a good good meeting with them today. I think we're getting close to that, um, and that's that's a pretty cool project. So looking looking forward to that one. A couple of like bigish things going on this week. Had a great follow up call with someone I met at Blue Cyber, the Blue Cyber Summit. Um, they're doing some really neat stuff. I'm trying to decide if I can how much I can talk about. Um, I mean, they're they're like fairly public. They're uh, they're working on launching alpha right now and then have kind of a beta in the works but they're doing some some neat stuff around the mitre attack framework which just immediately got me excited because austin and i have been talking about trying to make the mitre attack framework more usable and like easier to filter and everything for ages and they're doing some of that as a part of a community offering that is going to be 
um, lead into a bigger, pretty interesting like offering for for security teams. Really interested in what they're doing, um, and they've got some former MITRE people on the founding team. I mean, we kind of talked about like the cycles that we go through when it comes to the pipeline. Speaking of speaking of people that we know and that are doing cool things, I also got to talk to Ted at Sentinel IPS. So nice, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, very cool dude. Hopefully, we can work together. But regardless, even just good to have met. It's always interesting, I think, meeting folks that are bootstrapping a security company, right? I think that's such a like non-security industry thing to do. Haroon and um, Poltsive and then Spur. Spur was the other one. I was oh, I didn't know Spur was. Okay, cool. Last I, last I heard they were they were still bootstrapped. They're great people. So we're just saying bootstrap founders are great people, but uh, non-bootstrap founders? Non-bootstrap founders are also great people. They're just, you know, bootstrap founders, there's generally something more like chill and laid back about them. Um, which is which is a nice change of pace every now and then. <laughs> you don't have like VCs kind of breathing down your neck. Not that all VCs breathe down people's necks. I think there's. But you've got really... different growth goals. You've, you're on a different trajectory, and so you've got to be pushing faster. And things are a little bit messier sometimes. And with bootstrapping, you can you can take your time more. Yeah, Spur is a really interesting business. I think they're they're doing really well. Well, what else is going on? Well, speaking of security people and funding and all that stuff, did you see the new thing today about VMware? No. I thought I saw it last night on Reddit and I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a complete meme. Chipmaker Broadcom to buy cloud services firm VMware in $61 billion deal. Yeah, that's crazy. The acquisition is the second biggest announced globally so far this year, trailing only behind Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to buy Activision Blizzard. Yeah, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> I can only imagine how stressful it would be to run, to like negotiate a $61 billion acquisition. Oh my you God. You do it, your lawyers do it, right? You just, I, I'm sure I you guess, would. but I think, yeah. I'm pretty sure like the executives are, are fairly involved. <laughs> That's always really interesting, like a sort of thing. Like, not that I ever want to get here, but it's just the thinking of like, like I'm stressed out at work enough as it is. That is a new layer of stress that I'm unsure. Not that I'm unsure if I can handle it. I just can't even perceive what that's like, Broadcom or VMware. Like, at that size, I'm not sure. Like, like I don't know if my, the current chemistry or makeup of my brain matches the same chemistry makeup. Not to say like, their brain is better anyway. It's just like, there's a, a great post that one of my favorite writers, I'm trying to remember which one it was, Ranjan and, and Can run a newsletter called Margins. Ranjan Roy and Can Daruk. That's a good name. It's one of my favorite newsletters about tech because they do these kind of like in-depth pieces. They write about kind of like the tech economy and stuff and just like write these kind of think pieces about tech. And they're both in tech and very knowledgeable about tech, but also like pretty critical of tech, um, but usually in a funny and and clever way that doesn't just feel like dumping on people. They figured out how to create a system where they buddied up with a friend who ran a local pizza shop who was mad about like DoorDash signing, you know, this pizza shop had decided specifically not to do delivery and DoorDash had listed them anyway and would just like call in a takeout order and go pick it up. And people were getting like, were complaining. And so to get back at them, they figured out 
the like economics of how to just sort of order pizza constantly through DoorDash and just like mint money. Um, uh, <laughs> I feel like I've because heard of this. because DoorDash yeah. was like paying a premium or something. I don't remember the specifics of how it worked, yeah, um, yeah. but it's one of the best like articles I've read. It was it was so funny and so clever. Mm-hmm. Recently, um, you know, they've been talking about the Elon Musk trying to buy Twitter news. Mm-hmm. They talked about like how wrong they thought that that Elon was for thinking that this was going to be an easy thing to do. And they, they said, there's a reason the former CEO of Twitter is like super fucking into meditation and like has to go on silent retreats all the time. It's it's to preserve his sanity. Like <laughs> that's the only way you can survive making the decisions and looking at the bullshit you have to make if you're you know leading Twitter. And I was just like, it's such a good fucking point. Like just thinking about the incredible amount of stress, like not that CEOs of massive tech companies need a whole lot more leeway, but it is an incredibly stressful job. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. It's like you have to go into silent meditation. Like you got to stop the feed. <laughs> you got to remove yourself literally from just deep scrolling on Twitter, looking at all the things that are going on. Speaking of newsletters and speaking of really good onboarding not speaking of sidebarring, it's a really good onboarding experiences. I found this thing, it's called leavemealone.app mm-hmm. and it lets you easily unsubscribe to just any unwanted email, subscription, whatever, because I have a lot. I have a lot that I might've signed up for by accident as well, or just, you know, things I've added to and it just lets you kind of like, like a toggle unsubscribe to everything, which is cool in itself, but, and it was like a cute little brand with like a cute email eye thing. Mm-hmm. But the thing I think that impressed me the most was I was going through it. I was like, wow, this onboarding experience is really good. Like, Nice. Cool. There's maybe like one tiny nitpick that I had. Everything else, I was like, damn, what the hell? The couple who runs it, Danielle and James, I've been following them for a while. They're indie hackers. Um, I think they live somewhere in East Asia, Are doing have been doing the digital nomad thing for a while, um, are really public about you know, their revenue and talk about um, the challenges of building the business. I think they might have like one or two other little projects. Yeah, Leave Me Alone, uh, Subscription Score, Uptime Bar, Release Page, Maker Ads. Yeah, so they've got a bunch of, of um, these sort of micro businesses, micro projects. Um, but yeah, they're they're worth following on Twitter as well. They um, tweet some, some good content and yeah, they've been working on this for for several years now. I feel like I need to go go back and and use it again. It's probably time for another deep clean. <laughs> and then I have my personal email, which is where I just sign up for all the bullshit that it, you have to sign up for to move around the internet. Um, and so that one is just constantly bombarded. Like probably gets fifty marketing emails a day or something like that, if not more. When I first bought Superhuman. As part of the onboarding experience, they they will just like archive, mass archive all of the emails in your inbox for you if if you want them to, so that you can start at inbox zero. And I kind of want to like reach out to their customer support and be like, hey, so you did this when I signed up. Could you do this for me again for this other inbox that I've got? Because like I need it. Um, and I kind of want to see if I can rescue rescue that that inbox. But you've given up on rescuing yours? I've given up. Yeah, my personal email, it's gone. It's just... The problem is I still use it for some things. Because, like, 
there's some stuff I don't want to use my work email for, like, you know, scheduling, um, like booking flights for personal travel. I feel kind of weird using my work email for that. Yeah, me too. I Same here. I mostly just give it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the second one that I'm giving up on, which makes it no. This is the third one I'm giving up on, which makes it worse. I wonder how many abandoned inboxes there are, you know, in the world because of how much it gets bombarded by email. Did you see the um, the analysis that SparkToro did on to try to identify how what percentage of Twitter users are like spam or bots um, after Elon's comments? I did not actually. Um, what was the result? It was twenty percent. Oh, that's actually not as bad as I mean. Okay, that's that's sorry. That's a very reasonable amount. Yeah, that is like it's still it's still a fifth of the platform. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's not. I guess it's not as okay. Well, I guess it's good to know that. But Twitter Twitter claimed like five percent. So yeah, Jesus. Do you remember Cloud from back in the day? I do remember Cloud. It was high school where I was on the train going home with a friend after school and uh, this guy just was like, haha, what's your cloud score? Look at my cloud score. <laughs> like, dude, I don't even use Instagram. What the fuck is a cloud score? Um, I do remember cloud. That was, wow. What, a, what happened to them? <laughs> I have no idea, but spark throw has brought, brought that cloud. They have a spark score and you can plug in your Twitter account and they will tell you the true influence of any Twitter account. Oh, shit. Let's see. You're Sean Cuson, is that right? Yeah, on Twitter? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, looks about like mine. What is my score? Your Spark score is two out of a hundred. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. That's two more than I thought it would have. Your boy is, is sitting at uh, eight out of a hundred, not to brag. <laughs> when you put in your profile, it'll also tell you like related accounts and um, what their Spark scores are. Mike Privet is uh, a related account for me. Needs to step up his Twitter game a little bit. He's only at a, a two Spark score. Obviously, Andrew Morris sitting at 35. Daniel Zarek is at 14. Uh, Asia Matos, 14. Let's see what, I'm curious what your related accounts are. And then it's kind of fun, you can like click through. Uh, <laughs> did I talk last time about the book I've been reading? Attraction? No, Escaping the Build Trap. Oh, you did mention it, but you did not talk. Okay, great. We're back to selling books. <laughs> What's the book about? What's the book about? Uh, so written by Melissa Perry, um, who was a product manager and then like a product consultant, like product strategy, product management consultant for years, um, started the Product Institute where she trains product managers, the like CPO accelerator, like definitely sort of a, a product management thought leader, has a, a podcast called Product Thinking. Essentially, the idea is just like the build trap is is something that a lot of companies fall into where you're building, building, and you're focused on like cranking out features and you're not building the right things or you're not like building the things that are valuable. And so, you know, really the book is, it's, it's titled How Effective Product Management Creates Real Value. But she goes into like product management, like org charts and product management and you know, talks about kind of how to think about structuring product teams and then, you know, goes deep into like strategy and process. The core message is spend more time thinking about like strategy and like getting everyone aligned on strategy and focusing on the why behind what you're doing and then talking to customers and like 
sort of experimenting and um, you know exploring different ideas, don't make it all about just building. It might be kind of basic to some people who are solid foundation and some solid language to talk talk with about product management. I've changed my view on books actually because of things like that that you're reading when we talked a couple episodes ago where like i just told you that that dunning kruger effect of like the peak of absolute ignorance and i'm just able to stay there for much longer than people other people are so i'm way overconfident about the confidence hasn't disappeared in terms of being absolutely delusional since having folks like jj on and then also having kind of spoken with some other folks in the past month or so and learning specific things and things like traction and everything like so much of miscreants to be and, and also things that i do have been built on instinct and i think that it served me well for a long time but it's stuff like that book and traction that kind of lays out a much more like foundational sort of framework of thinking um i find myself like i find my personal mental models are you start at the end and you kind of reverse your engineer your way back and you figure it out from there. And as long as you get to the end state, it doesn't matter how you got there, but it makes for a very shaky sort of internal process. Um, so anyway, nice. I, I think I th my stance on these types of books is is more open. I think I've always been open to reading them. I think, I think they're good. I just haven't found them to always be, I'm like Blinkus's core audience, right? Where it's like, yeah, just give me the, the key points of, like atomic habits i don't need to read it i understand like i get it you build habits from <laughs> etc right anyway that's cool that's very cool i'm trying to think if i know any similar books we should do an episode one day where we like think about either just some of her favorite books and like talk about them or even like some of her favorite like frameworks or, or mental models or something like that we should start a book club that's what we should start every time i've tried to start a book club it has not worked <laughs> No one reads the book. <laughs> and I'm just like, why are we here? Yeah. I tweeted recently a couple of surveys. Um, I'm going to run run the surveys by you because they're book related. How many books do you typically have going at once? Well, define going. Like, when can I count it as abandoned? Because if, if there's no expiration period of abandoned books, then millions. I would consider it going if you're like trying to read it. Like, I have a stack of four books right now sitting on my desk. I might jump around between them. You know, two of them I haven't read, in a, or three of them I haven't read in, in a few weeks or, or even like over a month, but I still consider them kind of like I'm in the process because I want to finish them. I think it's abandoned once you've decided I am not going to finish this book. I'm going to shelf this. I'm a book finisher. I'm not even trying to read the other one until I finish Traction. I don't finish in like the truest sense of I read the book to completion as much as I'll just kind of start skipping. You read it until you feel like you got enough from it. And then you're like, okay, good. Sometimes I'll just kind of just keep pressing next until I reach the end. I do think most business books are way too long. I did learn about this new thing, actually. It's called Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R. -E 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 Ever since I've, been, I've become an adult, unless I'm like super engrossed in this fictional narrative thing, I find it very hard to kind of like not have my eyes glaze over. And what Reader does is that it bolds different parts of a word across sentences. It helps your eyes anchor onto different things. Is that the thing that's been going around Twitter? Bionic reading, bionic reading. Bionic reading, yeah. It is bionic reading, yeah. And it works? Do you feel like it works well for you? <sighs> the TikTok ad works. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I don't know how good it is in terms of, sorry, I don't know if it works with my, like my Kindle, for example. 
not my Kindle, sorry, the, the iPad app Kindle, but I'm hopeful when I really want to finish a book. Sometimes I'll buy the audiobook too, and I'll like kind of go back and forth because I like to take walks. I'll sometimes switch back and forth between audiobooks and physical books as like a way to help me get through something faster. That was the only way I got through Atomic Habits was it's it's a really good book. I'm really glad I read it. It was really helpful, but the only way I got through it was was switching back and forth between the audiobook and the the physical book. So I've been listening to the audiobook version of Escaping the Bill Trap, and it's been helping me get through it a little bit faster. The only audiobook I've ever listened to, besides all of Harry Potter. <laughs> That's how Maddie goes to sleep, is with the Harry Potter audiobooks. <laughs> the only audio- audiobook I listened to was The 4-Hour Workweek. I had a previous boss put me on when I was working in San Francisco, and he was like, dude, did you know that? Like, He was like, go get yourself a San Francisco library card. There's so many audiobooks that you can just get for free. And I was like, ah. Ah, that's smart. <laughs> Although I gotta say, was listening to the four hour work week, you know, there's parts that are good in narrative and there are parts that are just links, and a guy just reads links <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with business books, it's kind of rare that you get a really good narrator. That can kind of suck. I like when the author narrates their own book. That's my favorite. I think Gary Vaynerchuk narrates his own books. Anything Gary Vee does, I just immediately ignore. You don't like Gary Vee? That's not... To me, he is like, he's like the founder and the embodiment of hustle culture. Okay, first of all, let me, let's get this straight. Andrew, let's get this straight. He's the youth pastor of capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) That's the proper title. (laughs) Get it right. Oh my God, that's so accurate. (laughs) And that makes me hate him more. That makes me hate him so much more. I gotta be honest with you. Not like, I don't really care for it now. I do have to say back in college, definitely a little bit of a guilty pleasure. You seem like a Gary Vee guy. I get that. Wow. What does that mean? (laughs) 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 I seem like a Gary Vee guy. It's all about the grind, man. It's all about the... You're a grinder, man. You're you're a little bit of a... Yeah, that doesn't mean I think other people should do it or that I think, you know... Not doesn't mean I'm on board for like Gary Vee's grinding, you know. The grinding is pure addiction and immigrant work ethic, for the record, for what it's worth. And I think it's also I you know I have nothing better to do with my life. That's not true, but okay. Interesting. I'm getting. This is gonna be fun. I can't wait for us to be like launched with this product that I can talk about it because I'm totally down for that sort of like build in public sort of thing. Because I'm getting Slack messages right now that the client the design partner might have just stopped being our design partner. Oh, yikes. That's stressful. New CISO in town. <sighs> okay. That's good. That's good. That's stressful. I'm sorry, man. You don't feel like you can talk about it at all? I can tell you this. I think we're projected to burn like a quarter million for this fucking product <laughs> this year. For this product this year. Yeah, I mean, that seems seems right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's already like a quarter million is already like two-ish people so two and a half-ish people you have an engineer and a designer on it yeah yeah and some other types of things but you're gonna leave us in the dust at some point you're gonna i'm gonna get the email from you saying hey andrew we just raised four million dollars to you know to start a product company like i gotta go do this i'm I'm no longer an agency owner have fun running your your little six-person agency it's happened to me before I've had friends do it before. First of all, we're not raising $4 million or any money for this thing. Bootstrap, let's go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to be part of the chill crowd. Part of the 90-hour work week chill crowd? That's that's what you're trying to do? 
Live the life you want today, Sean. There's a good story about this, by the way, that still like eats away at me. So Bobby Hundreds, he's gotten really into the NFT crowd and Hundreds is sort of having a comeback because of it because they've linked up with Board Ape Yacht Club. Although kind of weird that they linked up with Board Ape Yacht Club because like if you go on gordongoner.com, I don't know how real any of that is, but it's like suspiciously true. So anyway, Bobby has a story about how he started the Hundreds where he used to work in a law firm as an intern. He was going through law school and finally he goes through an entire summer of working at this like prestigious law firm and his mentor, the lawyer he was working for sits him down and he's like, dude, do not be a lawyer because your entire thing is thinking you want to be a lawyer. So you have the money to go chase your streetwear brand. He's like, just do your goddamn streetwear brand. You're clearly way more passionate about it. Anyway, I think that's great advice. I think you should totally live the life that you want to live. I mean, this is the reality, right? Like we all hear advice all the time and we can't follow it until we, until we figure it out for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, until exactly. We experience it for ourselves. Yeah. We're just all doomed to repeat history over and over again. Yeah. I also want to point out that I do think I'm living the life that I want to live. Like, I think I'm happy in my current state of being. I mean, I love giving you shit because I'm your friend and I love giving you shit, but I do want you to take more breaks and make sure you're having fun along the way. And that's why I will never stop this podcast because this is. <laughs> This is <laughs> yeah. It's so good when it's on Wednesdays. It's also actually kind of interesting that we're doing it early in the morning. It's like a good kind of transition out of like Mondays and Tuesdays are probably some of the most stressful days I ever have. Um, so it's always good that we kind of transition out and then Thursdays and Fridays are always more chill. But anyway, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to hit you up one day and just say we're, we're not doing this anymore. In fact, it's more reason that we should be doing small efforts. Anything else going on in your world right now? Besides the besides the shit show that just was the last five Slack messages, no. <laughs> I can't believe I just told you that my last my next two days are chill. I think. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I'll let you let you go take care of that. But uh, good chat with you as always. Yeah, have a good rest of your week. You too. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. You just listened to Small Efforts, a podcast collaboration between Crit and Miscreants, hosted by Sean Sun and Andrew Askins. Sean is a hacker turned designer and the founder of Miscreants, a creative agency building memorable brand and product experiences for cybersecurity ventures. Andrew is an engineer turned CEO and the founder of Crit, a product design agency that helps cybersecurity founders create better products. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can check us out at smalleffortspod.com. Thanks for listening. See you next episode.